0: Take a step for every dinner you didn't eat together at the table this week. If either of you would say that work hours or work stress can be a barrier to enjoying time in marriage, take four steps forward. If you feel like your marriage has fallen into a bit of a rut, the cell phone is a distraction in your relationship. Did you go to bed at different times any night this week? Feel like life has gotten hectic and a bit overwhelming. Do either of you take your cell phone to bed at night? Did you go on an intentional scheduled date this week? Life is managing you more than you're managing your own life. Okay, you can both turn around. And you see the distance, of what one word comes to your mind?
1: Alone, because we're really separated, really far apart. Sad.
0: Sad? Why is that? Life.
1: A challenge. All right, let's get closer, whatever we got to do.
2: Sad, because I want to be close to him. Doesn't seem like we would be, like the distance would be there, but.
0: Look like a tunnel long tunnel. seems so far away and so small. You really don't think about how far apart you are with all of the things that life throws at you until you quantify it in a moment like this. Would either of you like to get together and put together a strategy so that cell phones are not a distraction in a relationship at all? Take two steps forward. Would either of you like to put together a vision for your marriage and get on the same page and work toward it? Would either of you like to grow in both praying together and praying for each other? Would either of you like a better atmosphere in the home that's full of grace and peace? Would either of you like to learn to say no to some things so that you can be together as a family more often?
1: Do you see this treasure that we have? Look at this treasure. Incredible. Give them a round of encouragement. (laughs) School starts this week, and we want to pray for these guys. If you're in middle school, would you stand up? I want to pray for you, too. Middle school, stand up. Middle school, stand up. Stand up. Very good. High school, stand up. High school, high school, stand up. High school, college, stand up. Stand up, college, grad school, stand up. Skip school, stand up. Not under do that. <laughs> Stretch your hand out to these beloved that we have, Father. The scripture says children are a gift from the Lord, and we thank you for every life. We pray as they go back to school that your anointing would be on them. For your protection, Father, give them good friends. I pray, Father, they would work with their teachers. They would be salt and light in every place they are. We bless you for them. And Father, we ask that you'd cover them with your grace and the ministry of angels. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Give them another round of encouragement, would you? Go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. How many of you have your Bibles? Let's see them. Hold them up, excellent, excellent. Lord, as we study your word, we just need exceptional grace today, difficult subjects. Your spirit can make them meaningful and life-changing, so do that today, in Jesus' name, everyone said amen. We're going to do a short two-week series on the beautiful mystery of marriage uh say with me, please the beautiful mystery of marriage why why are we doing this because we all need some help this week we'll talk about the role that the lord has asked the wives to play next week we get to beat up on i mean we get to encourage the men and because they in this passage actually have like three times the amount of responsibility here so let's read this okay Ephesians 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands. Love your wives as your own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but instead nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore, everyone say therefore, man should leave his father and mother and hold fast or cling to his wife, and the two become what? I'm sorry, they become what? One flesh. The last two verses clinch it all. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. In other words, the big picture is not here. The big picture is there. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see to it that she Nags her husband. I'm sorry. She respects her husband. Now, let's walk through this together, and I believe this will be a blessing and a help. Uh, you don't get this kind of stuff most places, and we need to talk about it. Now, a group of elementary kids were asked what they thought about marriage, and this isn't that's is going to be exciting. So ten year old Kirsten was asked this question, and her question was, How do you decide who to marry? That's a good question. And Kirsten said this. No person really decides before they grow up who they'll marry. It doesn't happen. She said God decides that way before, but you get to find out later who you're stuck with. (laughs) Freddie, age six, this was his question. How can a stranger tell if two people are Married, and Freddie's reply was, you might have to guess, but based on if they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> A lot of truth in that. And Lynette, precious Lynette, her question was, What do most people do on the first date? And Lynette replied, uh, mostly they just tell lies. And they're so good at telling their lies that they get the other person interested enough to go on a second date. That's what Lynette said. And then Martin, age 10, I love Martin. His question was, what would you do on a first date if things went bad and things turned out sour? And 10-year-old Martin said, here's what I would do. I would run home and play dead. And the very next day, I would call all the newspapers and make sure they wrote about me in all the dead columns. The dead columns. Anita, age nine, this is what sweet Anita was asked. Is it better to be single or better to be married? And Anita wisely said, it's better for girls to be single, but not for Boys, because boys need someone to clean up after them, because they're rather messy. How many have experienced that? Okay. Calvin, age eight, was asked this very important question. Calvin, how would it be different if people did not get married? And he thought about it, and his reply was, there'd be a lot of kids to explain for, wouldn't there? And then Ricky, age 10, precious, straightforward, Ricky was asked, How would you make a marriage work? And Ricky said, You tell your wife she looks pretty even if she looks like a (laughs) truck. We apologize for Ricky immediately. Now, you're a little pastor wants to encourage and be a blessing to you today i believe if you're married that your marriage is the second most important thing you should invest in and sadly very few people do and i do not want to bring guilt or added shame because all of us have made mistakes uh, we've not done things correctly, upside down. We've been hurt, broken. Hey, I get all that, so I do not want to pile on. I want to offer hope. Everyone say hope. I want you to go out of here feeling like, well, the Holy Spirit helped me. He gave me some hope. And I do understand that things happen to all of us beyond our control. We just couldn't have anything. We had no responsibility in it, but it still happened But I want to address those things we can control. We can only control one person. So let's be the best person that we can be. Now, the passage we just read, and I am not making this kind of statement that what we just read is easy. It is not. It takes a lifetime, but... We have to go back to the Word of God being our authority, not some talk radio, because the Creator knows how we work best. Would you agree? Hold your hand up. Do you agree? The Creator understands how we can be the happiest. Now, this is not in your notes. As I've thought about the next to last verse, I've just been intrigued. I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. This strange statement that Paul writes... This thing called marriage is a profound mystery. Everyone say mystery. It's, well, Steve, what do you, what does that mean? What do you think Paul was thinking? Well, I've got three things that maybe Paul was thinking. I've been thinking about it, that this truth is so deep and it comes in layers that it's a mystery. And secondly, the beauty, if you've experienced any beauty in a relationship, it's only a tiny taste of what is to come. And third, for us that love Jesus, for us to obey Jesus, the word of God, and do things his way, is going to impact far more than just our relationships and our family, it has a wide-ranging impact. I believe that's why Paul called it a profound mystery. I do want to say this church and myself and I hope you and your family hold up marriage very highly. If God said it was good, we want to say it is good. Now today we're just going to talk. There's so much here Thought I could do it in one week. Can't. We'll do it in two weeks. What is a wife's role? What is God calling a wife to do so she has success on her end? And the first thing, she needs to understand something. This is countercultural, but this is biblical. She needs to understand the scripture calls her husband to be the head of the family. Now, that is so confusing, and so many people just want to gag over that. My husband being the head, are you kidding me? Well, the Lord appointed him. And the head means the person that will lead, the person that will lay down his life, the person, the first to sacrifice, the one to stand in the gap, the first one to serve, the first one to take responsibility, the first one to say, I'll guide. That's what the head means. The person that takes responsibility. It is indeed God's plan. It's a way we'll be absolute the happiest. Now I just want to say if it is God's plan. Sisters let your husband lead. Let him serve. Let him be responsible. If that's his calling let him do that. Now, you say, Steve, I don't know how in the world I can do this. Well, here's the key. Here's the key. Are you ready? The key is mentioned early on in the passage. What's the key? The only way she can follow her far from perfect husband is that if she does it unto the Lord. King James says, does it unto the Lord. Uh, English Standard, I just read, says you do it as to the Lord. Repeat it, please. As to the Lord. Well, what does that mean, Steve? It means a wife, a godly wife, has to focus on Christ first, not her husband. If she focuses on her husband, she's going to be disappointed. She's going to get discouraged. But you focus on Christ and let him show you how you are to partner with your husband. Now, this is not in your notes, but this is just this is just true. You want to have a good marriage? You got to do this. Get strong in the Lord. If you're strong in the Lord, you're going to be a huge blessing to the Lord, to your kids and everybody you know, if you're strong in the Lord. But on the other side... If you are not strong in the Lord, you're part of the problem. And you're just as close to the Lord as you determined to be. You got 24 hours. You got 168 hours. Are you going to draw close? Are you going to spend your life on stuff that really is not going to matter 100 years from now? Point B. This charge is not based on whether one spouse is smarter than the other one or one spouse is stronger than the other one. And I've seen, man, I praise the Lord for strong women. There's a lot of strong women in this church. I married a strong woman. My mother was a strong woman. My grandmother was a strong woman. And I've met some women that could probably press me just like this physically. I mean, strong. And it's not based on how skillful a person is. The Lord has said, this is how I want it to work. Because it's going to bring health to the home and health to the family. So both partners are meant to grow. If the wife grows and the husband does not, that's not good. If the husband grows and the wife lags behind, that's not good. Okay? Okay. Both partners need to grow. Here's where this plays in. If a wife consistently jumps ahead of her husband and leads, if she's not careful, the man she loves may never ever develop into the man God wants him to be because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to wrestle. He doesn't have to struggle. He doesn't have to stand up. And what can happen is a man becomes passive. Everyone say passive. Now that is that is a huge problem in our nation. It's a huge problem in the church. Not so much this church, because we have a ton of strong, devout, humble men that love Jesus. But in most churches, the men are very passive. Men, step up to the plate. Chase Jesus. Be a man of your word. Lead and support your family. You don't have to do it perfectly. Nobody does. But take responsibility. And you single ladies, don't marry somebody unless you see he's going to be someone that takes responsibility. And please don't raise passive children especially passive boys our culture is so confused the generations are so confused with right and wrong and how I should live and we've never had a good male role figure we've never been treated well we don't know how to to live life And one of the problems is us parents have been too good to our children. We rescue them all the time. We keep little Johnny from falling. We bail Susie out of bad grades. We step in every time they're not doing well. We don't let them fail. We don't let them fall. So what happens is you got a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, 40-year-old man that can't take adversity, that will not lead, that doesn't have wisdom because his parents have done everything for him. And what happens is he ends up getting married at 25, and that sweet, beautiful girl that marries your son, she doesn't marry a man, she marries a juvenile. She marries a 14-year-old. And then she starts mothering him. And it's just a disaster. It is just a disaster. Now, what's the key? Here's the key. Two words. She commits willingly to be subject to or submit to his leadership. Now, when I got saved in the 70s, this hadn't been taught in America in a hundred years. But all of a sudden, this got taught in churches especially non-denominational churches like us, and it got taught one way. Women, you are to submit to your husband and whatever he says you should do, and that went over and over and over. But they left out the other side. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. And these two words became ugly and distasteful. You talk, use these words with college folks today. It is just, or women in their 40s today, or even their 60s, it's nauseating. Why? Because the flesh does not understand the ways of God. and doesn't understand the blessing of God. These two words are powerful. They're not a curse, they're a blessing. Now, gentlemen. If you are a gentleman, hold your hand up. Let's see your hand. Hold your hand up. Don't be passive. Go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. You cannot demand this to happen. And set in the 70s and 80s and 90s, men would say, and I've heard it this year, where men having troubles with their wives would open this passage and throw the Bible at them and say, woman. You got to submit because the Bible says you have to. That is hogwash and they are idiots. Everyone say idiots. You are an idiot if you open this text and show it to your wife. That's going nowhere good. And you're foolish to do it. Now, what's the principle? This is not in your notes. Write it on your margin. This is important. It's a leadership principle. If you have to tell people you are the leader, you are not the leader. You can tell a leader. You can can find out if you're a leader or not. All you got to do is turn around and see if people are following you. If you say you're a leader and there's nobody following you, you are not a leader. very important. We lead by example, not by browbeating people. Now the phrase, be subject, the phrase submit, here's what it means. It means to willingly take the low position. What do you mean the low position? The position the Lord Jesus took Every day he was on the planet of putting other people first, then serving others. That's what this means. Jesus said, I did not come to be served. We put people in Washington, we put people in Frankfurt who think They're in those positions to be served. No, they're in the positions to serve the nation or serve the state. I didn't come to be served, but to serve, everyone say serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. This is what leaders do. This is what I attempt to do with my family, my wife, you guys in the city. My job is to simply serve. Now, this is important. Watch. This attitude is unqualified. What do you mean unqualified? It means this is what you do. And you do it all the time. And you do it with just people, people you meet. And what the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul is, I know the way to your husband's heart. I can reach your husband. Here's the posture to reach your husband. To serve him. If you want him to grow in his faith, serve him and I will turn his heart. And Jesus said the last night he was on the planet in the upper room. time got ready to go to Gethsemane. He took off his outer robe. He put a towel around his neck. He got a basin of water and some soap. And he started washing the feet of all the 12 men in the room. And Peter said, oh, no, oh, no, not my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you've got nothing in me. And then when he finished, put his robe back on, ready to go to Gethsemane, to spend the night in prayer, then die the next morning. He said this. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to all of us in this room. I have given you an example. Wow. So. This is not one way. This is two way. Both husbands and wives are to be subject to each other other. I didn't take time to read verse 21. I should have, I forgot, but he said, we are to be subject to one another. We all get to play. We all get to wash feet. Jesus said, you want to be great in my kingdom? Be the greatest servant. You want to be great? Instead of going to the head of the line, go to the end of the line. This attitude means if there's a Ten meals and eleven people, you choose to give up your food so other people can eat. If it's ten chairs and eleven people, you stand while everybody else sits. That is this attitude. And I want to say, this is certainly not in our culture or the church. All Christians, we have to learn this. You want to be successful, you want to be a successful coach you want to own a company, you want to be successful in your company, you want to have a good family, teach your kids this, you want to be a great and loved in your neighborhood, this is the way to get there. We all Christians have to learn. Paul spent a bunch of verses saying Christians, and remember, he's under the Roman Empire, and there's a guy named Nero, that's emperor, that's going to kill him in a short time. He said, all of us need to learn to be subject to the authorities above us. You see Christ is the. Undisputed head of the church. Hands down. And this was his attitude. So if Christ modeled it. We have to model it. Now this is. As far as I know, there's only one verse in the entire Bible. One, where Jesus described himself. He said, I am meek. Meek does not mean weak. A meek person is the strongest person in the room. A meek person chooses to deny himself for the benefit of others. And lowly, I take, Jesus said, the low position of the servant. I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, I hear people say things, and people say things to me in counseling. Sometimes they say, well, Pastor, I am not submitting to him, and I'm not submitting to anybody. And I go, well, go ahead and ruin your life. And you see what their life is like, because when they say, I'm not submitting to anybody, what happens is, because they won't respect the people the Lord put around them, even by position, they're going to end up getting no respect or no love or trust from anybody because they don't give it. If they don't give respect, they will never receive respect. I had a friend in Carolina. We were both knuckleheads. We grew up together in the same mobile home park. And my friend Billy, he was a hardhead. He was a hothead. I mean, he got thrown out of rooms, off teams, out of his house. I mean, because he just, he loved to argue. He loved to fight. He was a big guy. And one day he told me, I ain't taking orders from nobody. Nobody I will submit to. Nobody. And I just heard him and I'd watched the chaos in his life. Then he told me one day, guess what I did last Friday? What'd you do? I signed up for the Marines. (laughs) I want to get out of this little town. Well, you're going to get out of town and you're going to Paris Island. Uh, and it'll be yes, sir, and no, ma'am, and I'll make up my bed and I'll run 30 miles and I will say thank you. They got his attention. Say this verse from Philippians 2. Please do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourself. You have a couple doing this, you got a great marriage. And this word deference, everyone say deference. We don't use it much in our culture. It's an English word, it's a powerful word. You know what it means? It means I'm going to deny myself to help somebody else. And we're to show deference and be subject to four areas in the scripture family, at work. If you don't do this at work, you're going to be always looking for a job because you're going to get fired every place you go because you're a knucklehead. And then the church, and then government. If you get pulled over by a highway patrolman, he asks you to step out of the car, you know what you should do? You should step out of the car. If he asks you to put your hands on top of the car, you should put your hands on top of the car. That's called deference. That's called being smart. Life, the sooner you figure this out, life is not about you and neither is marriage about you. So don't get married for the wrong reasons. It's better to stay single. Point G. This is important. Let me give you a little grace here. What if my husband... Ask me to do something that is completely evil. To lie, to cheat, to do things that I know would not please a Father. You, the Bible says I should submit in all things. That's not what it's saying. If you're asked to do evil, the counsel of Scripture is do not comply. If your company asks you to do what is evil... Do not comply. Well, what do I do? Well, you need to do two things. Number one, learn to appeal to authority. Everyone say the word appeal. What does appeal mean? Don't just say no. Ask questions. Try to discern what the Holy Spirit is doing. Ask things like this, well, why are you asking me to do this? Another question to ask is, what is your goal? What are you looking for? A third question to ask is, well, can I give you an alternative? Because sometimes having the discussion, you will see what they're saying is not what you think it is. And so by asking questions, you get clarity. And maybe you can suggest another alternative that will still be intact with your faith. Here's a perfect example. Jerusalem and Judah is overrun. A million people die. Hundreds of thousands are put in exile into Babylonia. Some of the brightest and best young people are sent there as slaves. And these four young men have been chosen because of their appearance, their skill, their royal lineage, and they're given to a certain officer. I forget the name of the officer. And it's his officer's job to groom them for high-ranking service with King Nebuchadnezzar. And so one of the things they have to do, they have to eat meat sacrificed to demons and drink wine sacrificed to demons and eat things that were not kosher. And instead of just saying, no which would probably gotten them executed. They went to the commander and say, what's the goal? Well, I got to get you guys in great shape that when I present you to the king, you got to be looking fit. You got to be looking good. And so Daniel, after prayer, said, well, can we do this? Can I just drink water? Can we just drink water? And can we eat raw vegetables for 10 days, just 10 days, and see if we don't get your goal met? After the end of the ten days, they were the brightest and the strongest. If it doesn't work, what do I do, Steve? Then you suffer for what is right. Just two chapters later, these three young men were told to go out onto a plain every day at a certain time. The whole empire was told to kneel before the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And the three young men who were there just said, we can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? You'll be thrown into a fire. Well, if God protects us, great. And if he doesn't, it's okay. But we're not going to do this. Now let's go to the second main point here. The number one thing any husband needs from his wife Is a $60,000 F-150 truck. What do you think, guys? Pretty good? Trying to help you out here. Or how about a $2,000 really state-of-the-art grill? How about that? Yeah, grill, grill. Or just hugs and kisses from mama. Uh, What does the Bible say? One thing he needs. Every man needs this from his wife. More than anything else in the world, what is it? Respect. Respect. Well, I don't understand. Well, let me explain it. A wife naturally loves her husband. Why is that? Because in the garden, the Lord told the first woman that all her daughters and descendants... Her heart would be for her husband. And I have found wives automatically love their husbands unless he destroys it. She gets her esteem from her husband. She feels good about herself because of the way her husband leads her and treats her and serves her. But here's what a wife does not do. She does not naturally respect her husband. The scripture always speaks to tendency. It always speaks to what is needed. It always speaks to the weakness. Because she has flesh just like men, which means our fallen nature. What happens is even on her honeymoon, the husband looks at her husband. And she sees what he doesn't do right. And she focuses on it. And he may do eight things beautifully. But two things disappoint her, and that's what she's going to talk about and focus on the two things. And I just want to say, nagging a husband, criticizing a husband, never motivates him to change his way. It does not happen. It will not happen. Saying it again, ladies, say again, please, again. Say again, again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. If I just tell him one more time, if I raise my voice, if I just keep breaking it up, he will get it. No, he won't. He's a man. <laughs> Staying on that old horse is not going to work. I have men tell me I come home at six o'clock and I get hit with this barrage of. What I'm not doing and what needs to happen. And I think after all these years, I don't even want to come home. Home is supposed to be a safe place, a loving place. And it actually demotivates him. Want to show you a biblical picture? It motivates him to do less. You want him to do more. He's like a mule. He just sits down in the traces. He goes, ain't going to it. Ain't going to it. Not happening. No, 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 no. And if she continues belittling her husband over time, one or two things will happen. He will get angry and fired up and he will retaliate and flip it on her. Then you got this boom, 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 boom. This argument, yelling. Is there yelling in your home? Sometimes some people throw things in their home. Or oh, the other thing happens, he just takes the verbal abuse and he diminishes. If he starts out this tall, inside he goes down, 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 down over the years until, watch, he just retreats. He pulls back. He stops trying. He checks out. He watches TV, Facebook, hobbies. And he will find other avenues, other avenues, he will find other avenues to get the respect he needs. If he gets respect on a basketball court, that's where he will go. If he goes to flea markets all the time, every Saturday and Sunday he gets respect, that's where he will go. Point number E, never use the D word. Everyone say D word. Do you know what the D word is? It is not Dallas Cowboys or Disney World, what is the D word? Never use the word divorce. If that never comes out of your mouth, you will never get divorced. That word is off limit. We will work it out. We will figure it out. We will forgive each other. We will come together and the Lord will help us. The scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you learn to use it well, you'll get good fruit. Out of what you say. Changing gears slightly, if a woman withholds herself sexually from her husband, that also diminishes the man. Why? I'll tell you. The sexual relationship to be used in marriage only is holy, it is wonderful. It is God ordained that experience is a blessing because a godly wife can offer this to her husband, and she's the only one out of four billion women that can offer this to her husband. She's the only one on a consistent basis. What is a consistent basis? Uh, once every five years. It's a joke. I'm teasing you guys didn't laugh. I don't know. The issue is a wife imparts life to her husband. And her husband is not about pleasure. It's not about lust. And a husband imparts life to his wife. It's not about pleasure. It's about affirmation. And she's the only one that can do it. That's why Genesis and Matthew, a man, should leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two become one flesh. When a wife loves her husband, she's saying, I affirm you. When a wife loves her husband, she's saying, I accept you just the way you are. When a wife loves her husband, she's saying, I'm so grateful that you are my man. And that does more to feed a man's heart. Other than prayer and worship in the scripture, that is a huge, huge blessing. Men, you can send your gift cards to Pastor Steve Pearson, 1301 Brandon Road, Nicholasville, Kentucky, 40356 I'm just teasing kinda sort of <laughs> It is the God ordained way one of them for a marriage to get stronger over the decades It's invaluable It's super glue By the way see my little hands It keeps the bond together between a man and And a wife. That's why you cannot afford to have a one night stand with a stranger or somebody in high school or college or somebody in another place because you're not meant to bond with them. Because when you have sex with somebody, your mind bonds, your heart bonds, your spirit bonds, and your body bonds. To do that with people, you had 10 partners in college, crazy, but it's like pouring super glue. Every time a new person comes into your bed and you just fill your hands with super glue and then you pull them apart, it's painful and damaging to your life. It also shuts the door on deadly temptation that Satan brings to every marriage you got to keep that door shut. You don't want Satan coming in there and stealing anybody's heart or affection. Let me share this verse from Corinthians. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. The same way the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And this last part, would you read it, please? Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent for a time. So you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because you didn't have self-control. Learning to respect a far from perfect husband is a miracle. Do you know why it's a miracle? Because only the Holy Spirit can change your heart. Frustrated, may wife, frustrated wife may say things or think things like this. Well, he doesn't deserve it. Well, honey, none of us do. She may say, "Well, I'm not going. I've had wives tell me this. I'm not going to give him respect until he first shows that he loves me." I go, "He will never love you then." The principle is like this, the farmer going out to a 100 acre field and say, field, as soon as you give me a crop, I will sow seeds. You'll never get a crop or a cold fireplace or wood burning stove that has no wood. And you say to the stove, you give me heat, then I'll give you wood. Never happened. Here's what respect means. You decide before the Lord that you're never going to do the three C's. And the three C's are never criticize. Everyone say, criticize. Well, surely i got to speak out. No, criticism is you're you're judging. You're not helping. You're judging. Or you're not going to condemn. Condemn means you're taking a place of moral authority. Again, you're judging. Or Complaining. Do I have any complainers in the room? Two things have stopped me from complaining. One is going on mission trips. I've had experiences around the world that just tell me I'll never complain again about how I'm treated or who loves me because I've had a roof over my head. I can go to the doctor. I can go to the hospital. I have money in my pocket. I have a wife that loves me. I have clean drinking water. And I have too much food. So therefore, what I've seen, I've never been arrested for the gospel. I've never had a gun put to my head. So therefore, I just don't complain. The other thing, the person you should not complain about or criticize or condemn is your spouse. Now this verse can save you like it saved me. Paul wrote, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. If it's bad, don't say it. But only such a word that's good for edification. If it doesn't strengthen somebody, I don't need to say it. Because there's going to be a critical need. And I need the grace to help them not hurt them. And so five years into our marriage, the Lord caught me one day on a prayer walk, pastoring my first little church, walking down a gravel road. The Lord grabbed me by the shirt collar and he said this, shut your mouth. Stop criticizing your wife. You're the problem. You're between me and her and she can't grow because you're the obstacle. Keep your mouth shut. Don't you say another critical word to her the rest of her life. Stop complaining about what she's not doing. And stop condemning her. If she's not doing what you want her to do, you talk to me about it and I'll fix it, not you. And I don't know why, but that day was a game changer for me. I stood in that parking lot. I put my hand like this, and I said, yes, sir, I had grace, and I stopped. All the pressure went off my wife. All the pressure went off me. And i tell you what, the Lord turned our marriage around. And I said, Holy Spirit, every time I'm about to criticize, tap me on the shoulder and warn me not to say it. Well, if I don't criticize, how do I address things? Here's the word. The word is... You need to evaluate everything like I do because you're responsible, I'm responsible. Then I want to look for correction. Correction means I want them to do well. Criticism means I'm just shooting them. Life beats a husband down. Worship team, could you guys come on? Life beats a husband down but a wife should not a wife's job is to lift her husband up because you are one flesh one of the first weddings I did the couple came back to counsel with me the guy was a construction worker he was a big burly guy and he was just abusive to his young wife I was trying to get his attention, and one day we're sitting in my office, and I said, do you carry a big knife? He said, I sure do. I said, would you pull it out? And he pulled it out. I said, would you open it? So he opened it. I said, hold it in your hand like this. So he held it in his hand like this. He's sitting in a chair. I said, on the count of three, I want you to take that big knife and jam it in the top of your right thigh. Are you ready? I'm not going to do that. No, you got to. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, get ready. I'm not going to do that. Two, get ready. Flex. Three, jam it. He said, I'm not doing that. I said, why? Because that would hurt me. I said, that's what you've been doing to your wife for two years. She's your own flesh. You're not two. You're one. But if you don't stop it, what happens is you both lose and your kids lose. Everybody loses because you don't do it Jesus' way. So here's what respect is think before you talk to your spouse, think about how you can lift your spouse, not put your spouse down. And this is a testimony. My wife gets embarrassed when I do this, but yesterday I'm just thinking, my sweet little wife has been so kind to me. She has been so good to me for all these 42 years. Why would I want anything or anyone other than her? Because each year we've gotten better at serving and loving each other. And I love going home to my wife, she is my best friend. So, what you do is take your resentment. We're going to have an altar call in a few minutes, and some of you have got a bag of resentment and you're carrying it around for your spouse. It will kill you. It will destroy your home. You have to let that stuff go. Well, what do I replace it with? How about replace it with gratitude for what you do have? Gratitude for what he is doing rather than what he's not doing. Replace it with that. And every time that old boy, whether you've been married two months or 20 years, every time he gets it right, try to find one thing that you can praise him for. Because he gets it at work. He gets it from his friends. But if he never gets it from you, why would he want to be with you? Because what you praise, you get more of. We've always loved animals. And a number of years ago, we got a black lab that we named jake my wife was such a good dog trainer with jake and he was such a good dog to our family and my wife every morning as jake was waiting for us he'd sometimes be at the door because he wanted to go outside and she would say this i don't think it's biblical language maybe it is she'd say jake want to go poopy Maybe a pastor's not supposed to say poopy in church, but I just did. You want to go poopy, Jake? And Jake would just go, yeah, his tail would wag, and his mouth would be happy. He would just go, yeah, Mama, I want to go do my beeswax. And so she'd let him out. He'd run out on the deck, and he'd run down the steps. He'd run, do his business, and then he'd come back because mama... Would be saying, Jake, come here, Jake. And he'd come up so happy, and she'd start rubbing those ears. And he'd be so happy. And then out of my little wife's mouth would be this good bowie. Everyone say it, good bowie. And Jake loved that. But over the years, I noticed something I didn't pick up right away. When I did something to wife, Right, my wife would come up and rub my ears, (laughs) and she'd say, "Good, Bowie," and my tail would wag. You know, she she could get anything she wanted—just rub my ears and say, "Good, Bowie," pat me a little bit. (laughs) Ladies, I'm telling you, it works. It works. So, if your marriage... Kinda looks like the garden is overgrown with weeds because you're not where you should be and it's not fun and you fight, you argue, you sleep in separate beds. Let me show you another picture. If that's your marriage, wouldn't you rather have it look like this? You, you know the difference? It's investment. What are you investing? What are you putting in? We are blessed as a church family. We have a marriage ministry called Grace Marriage. Sue and I have been in it four years. You know why? I want to love her better every year. I want to enjoy her more every year. And I have to be intentional about it. And so we meet this coming Saturday, four hours, 8-15, a little bit after 12. Costs about 50 bucks, but if you don't have the money, we'll pay pay it for you. We got one more in October. You can register online or you can just show up. We'll help you. And we don't embarrass you. You don't talk about your stuff in front of everybody, but you just learn maybe one thing, how to say thank you. And Let's do this together. Let's treat each other better this month. Now, hopefully everybody's got the Lord's table. Hold it up if you got it. We're going to do this a little differently today. I want you to take this on your own instead of us doing it together. Take this with your spouse, maybe right where you are. Take this with your kids. Pull them in a huddle. Or do it by yourself. But it's the most beautiful thing because it symbolizes all we've been talking about, that Jesus is in for you and you're in for him. And when you take the bread, you thank him for his brokenness so you could be whole. And when you take the, the blood, you're thanking him for the forgiveness that you don't deserve, that you got. So you can come to the altar and do it. You can come as a family. You can do it right where you are but our brother luke who i love so much has written a song about the lord's table so as he sings you just worship and you take this whenever you're ready but do it as an act of devotion
3: Every day I'll...
2: Jesus the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you and holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you, oh we live for you Sing holy and holy There is no one like you There is none beside you
1: If you're watching online today or you're in the room and you've never surrendered your life to Christ or maybe you walked with him in the past, but you stopped, why don't you come back home to the Savior that loves you? Why don't you just pray with me now and say, Lord Jesus, be my Savior, my Lord, my Master, and my King. I've messed up my life, but I give it all to you. Rebuild me from the inside out and make me your child. And I will serve you all the days of my life as you give me strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. There's people here to pray with you on the sides. Pick up your children. Serve Christ well.
2: Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for more information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.